Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Husky Fan Podcast. Uh, Jimmy, I mean, so much has happened since the last the last time we recorded right before, you know, the night before the national championship game and just what a ridiculous turn of events in less really only in four or five days. Um, I, I know there's so many things we got to cover. I mean, what's on your mind? What do you want to start with? And first, how are you doing? (laughs) Hello, dog fans. Welcome to the weirdest podcast we'll probably ever record, the one we've been delaying, the one we don't want to do, but we're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. How am I feeling? Well, that's a great question, Chest. It's been a roller coaster of emotions up and down, up and down. I, I can tell you this. I was kind of searching through my soul and my inner being about the feelings I've had after these events that we've uh, witnessed and had to deal with. And I hearken back to my days in high school, Chest. I was a tender senior. I had fallen in love head over heels for this girl in the choir. And, And, you know, I found my one, that person. I, you know, I was gonna marry this person. I even was going to follow this girl to Washington State. And when I, university, when I told my dad I was tempted to go to WSU, he stares me down, looks right at me and says, bullshit. You're not going to WSU. No way. So, of course, you know, there's this long distance situation. I think a month into college, she cheated on me. I was devastated. My life was over. I I puked. I probably puked for days. I was a miserable fool, a miserable loser for months on end. And I was destroyed. My heart thrown out of the ground, smashed into pieces. And that's how I felt (laughs) on that Friday after seeing the highest of highs in the Sugar Bowl to the anticipation to the national championship to witness a tight team only able to score 13 points. The defense didn't know what to do in the first seven minutes of the game. And then we watch a a pedestrian Penix for most of the evening. We see a confused team, a team that uh, just a week ago where you could feel the vibe, uh, you know, into the 600 level of the Superdome. Uh, in New Orleans to something entirely different on Monday, where just, you know, if you were looking at the boards, how many people were confident that, you know, Washington could have won that game? And, and even on the insight in the inside that we had, thinking we could win this game at halftime, when we're only a touchdown away from, you know, making it a game, Everyone on the boards, this is right where we want Michigan. This is where we have them. And then after the, you know, of course, we lose. Everyone's like, well, Michigan had, you know, the great defense. That's the best team we played. Okay. Up until 30, you know, halftime, everyone was convinced this team was going to pull it out in some miracle fashion, which, of course, never happened. 
And then we're left with questions on why was this team the way they played? What what happened? There's no way they could not have just scored 13 points in that game. And, and, and Penix ends up with a, a touchdown and two interceptions. And then we get the atomic bomb dropped on our heads. Not only do we understand that he wanted this job. He was negotiating this job before the game. And now there's the stories of issues around him and the players and him being off all week. And then you have the conspiracy theory of the picture of the coaches leaving the sugar bowl. You don't see uh, DeBoer in the, uh, in the, <laughs> in the airplane. Is he taking the picture? Is he off somewhere else? Is he, you know, eating a steak dinner with Sexton in New Orleans. Who was in New Orleans? I don't know what to tell you, man. We have so much to color. I'm just puking up everything that comes up, up to mind at this point, but I know we'll dial in more. But how am I doing overall? I'm still pissed. I know we got a new coach. I know we're, what is the new slogan? We're fishing for fish or fishing on Mont Lake, whatever. It's like we have a roster that's been completely destroyed. And then the end of it, Chess, we are 14 and one, went to the natty, and in the end, it feels totally tarnished. The whole thing seems like a dream. It feels like a total dream what we went through. And then have it end like this. It's like it never it's like this weird thing never happened. Like Penix has disappeared. You know, the guy's like, where's Penix, man? Like, like he's, can he still be the face of the Huskies? Can we still have him around in some fashion? I mean, we're still, everyone's just bolting to the NFL, disappearing. Everyone's portaling. Mish Powell's in Miami now. We got Hatchet, who apparently is in the portal. We got Bilu in the portal. You look at the 2D roster, they got red lines in every position. You're in the total, you're like in the, uh, you just got the death penalty for going 14 and one and your coach didn't even give a shit. He did not care. This whole thing was a, uh, was a sham. He didn't want to be a Washington. It was a short run. He, he, this was just a stepping stone. It was clear that when he hired Sexton, he clearly knew what was coming. And here we are in the most bizarre situation imaginable. And this idea that Pete Carroll is going to come and be the defensive coordinator for Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, or the, you're or the have, head coach, yeah. Or, yeah, or the head coach. You're going to have Jed Fish be the head coach, but you're going to have this legendary Super Bowl winning coach in the NFL, uh, uh, an epic run in college football, and he's going to be in the shadows of Jed Fish? I mean... Not in a million years. So it's totally bizarre. And and Softy talking about Marcus Shepard getting an opportunity. Oh my that. god. What on the earth are we talking about? Like I'm people are worried about my sanity. Like, my God, people <laughs> need to be worried about Softies. My goodness. Bro, can you bottle that up for a second? Because we go, we got to take a quick break. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to go number two in my pants. So got, I'm sorry, we got to take a quick break, uh, brother. I mean, you're on fire. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to cover next. I mean, do you want to talk about the game? Do you want to talk about DeBoer? Uh, anything else? <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think we should go. I think we should go to one of those things first. Yeah. Let's. Uh, well, I mean, let's just go in order. Let's go to the game, and then we'll we'll jump on to the defrauder. Yeah. So the get well, we we do know that Sark and my tweet about that has gone viral. Like it had earlier today. I checked. I think it had seven hundred seventy thousand impressions or views. So the the Which tweet that, that I, the one about how he interviewed while in Houston, mm. um, and and the last sentence on that tweet was like maybe that was why the offense laid a turd. Okay. But yeah, yeah, and, and and you said it, and I heard this secondhand a couple days ago, yeah. that that one of the parents said that something was off with DeBoer, like the entire week in Houston, like it just it just felt off. Mm. Well, so but but we we do know. I mean, a CBS like a legit CBS person quote tweeted me and said I had galaxy brain for thinking that galaxy we, brain. Yeah. But we, he, he was thinking about that job for weeks. Yeah. And then he was, he was solidifying that the week of the national championship game, of course. And you know what? The players had to, some of the, I mean, the players probably knew that I would, th- I mean, I would, that's like a, for me, that's like a coin flip. If the players, it's, yes. it's, it, it, there's no way it just, that stuff gets around. Like it's so, well, there was a lot of lot of people. Uh, I, I know that uh, Dannon kind of shot that down on with Brock himself, but sixty seconds later, he's talking about you'll never get the full story. So, okay, you're so certain that that wasn't going on, but in the same breath, there was things that you'll never get the full story on. So, to me, he's not sharing the full story. If he had insight, you. Ne- publicly these guys are not going to share anything they're uncomfortable sharing or any anything with too much depth like i felt like dannon was transparent and he was open in the conversation and you know you listening to him you can't even believe that jen cohen even held that position let alone for as long as she did but yeah it's it's uh, nice that we that nice that we're hiring for merit now (laughs) yeah no doubt yeah what a concept yeah yeah, we could do a whole podcast on that, but we'll save that one. Uh, but there, there is there is so much to this, and just when I talk about the emotional ride of this season, where you know everyone was bought in. If you're a diehard dog, you bought in. Obviously, you saw a run that, and we were talking about this over text where. These past 25 months, from a coaching staff perspective, the the chances that you'll get something like this is like it, it's like my favorite saying that rare air. These things don't come together like this, right? And and this will all feed into the game and it'll feed into the whole narrative. But just just look back, right, where the roster that was in place, if DeBoer's looking at that roster from Fresno State. He's looking at quarterbacks that know his system to come in. I, I, I mean, the, the stars aligned, right? Uh, for for the the offensive line that was in place, the receiving core. Um, you know, he had he knew he had work to do a quarterback and running back uh, when he when he was coming in. 
And, well, just to had- interrupt you for 10 seconds, Phil Steele going into the 21 season, who's no joke with his predictions, his system had UW winning the conference in that four and eight season. Like that's based on a lot of data and historical trend. So he remember he had UW winning the conference, and I and I tweeted something during that season, like the middle of the season, something like if this team had a good quarterback, it would be so much better. So yeah, there was there was so much. It, it was apparent there was a lot of talent there already, and even before the portal additions. One hundred percent. And so when we're the fan, and and we're we're understanding that you know Boar's going to bring an offensive system coming off of a John Don run offense, right? And then you 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 see immediate impact, right? You see improvement, like things are clicking right away, um, for the most part, right? And so you're feeling really good. And DeBoer's presser, you know, someone posted, you know, someone asked him the question, do you see yourself here at Washington a long time? And it was like emphatic, yes. <laughs> like emphatic. And his wife and daughter, are, are, uh, our daughters are, you know, shaking their head in full agreement. This is where they want to be. And then, of course, you get this incredible 2023 season where ESPN predictor had winning 7.8 games on the year. You yeah, see that these, FPI yeah. is AIDS, by the way. Yes, no, 100%. And, and, and uh, we don't need to go through all of it, right? But all the special wins, the big moments, like it just was boom, boom, boom. We we're on this incredible run, highly emotional. You know, you get the big Pac 12 championship win against Oregon. Um, you know, there's talks about, you know, extension. But then you're kind of looking back and thinking, well, you know, he's pushing off. He's like, oh, I really, you know, I appreciate Dan and all making us a top priority. And it's like looking back to like, hmm. And then you're thinking about his short term uh, stints and you're thinking about, you know. (laughs) What this means to him and jumping ahead because it's kind of all again, like it's going to culminate. But did any of that matter truly like i think he enjoyed the experience and he had you know special moments with his players but in the end what did it mean truly what did it mean to him while negotiating another job before the biggest game in the history of the program so when we look at the game at that moment like the night you know like like the the night of like when the game's over the next day you're thinking like you know michigan yeah i mean they they were the better team that night uh you know we just weren't on our game Penix had a tough night they 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 hassled them they hurried them even though the week prior texas showed some good pressure even though they didn't touch him he was still had guys in his face he was hitting people in stride texas had good position defensively on a lot of those pinpoint accurate throws and but Michigan, now there's talks about you know Michigan bringing pressure, not bringing pressure. Penix seeing ghosts, didn't know what was really going on. But then you think, well, did they give him the looks he needed in practice? Where where everything that they were going to see from Michigan truly was was the coaching staff dialed in because Hayner had also mentioned in the past that Grub and DeBoer hatched the game plan together. They come up with the game plan. Grub calls the plays on game day. So you you tell me, Chess, 
you see that performance out of that offense. And granted, I understand that's the best defense they've faced all year, but we went through all the stats, all the, you know, the games that Michigan played throughout the year in their conference, that, that should not have been the result of what we saw a, a team that was tight. This team didn't play tight in, until that, you know, really that apple cup that I think they played tight, you know, there's a couple other games, but overall we like, we, they ripped it right for the Pac-12 championship and for the sugar bowl. Incredible vibe from that team. Incredible. That was not the team. Yeah. I mean, so, so, yeah, something changed because you know, no, you're right. Because at Pac-12 championship game, you know, we had a 17 point lead in that game. We were up by 10 in the fourth quarter uh, to game against Texas. Yeah. It came down to the last play, but that's only because Dylan, you know, the bizarre freak injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we right. were ahead by 13 points at one point in that game. Yes, yes. So, you know, double, double digit leads in both controlling those games. the game. Yes. We were, yeah, no, you're right. We can, con- we control both those games. That's the thing that pisses me off about the national championship game. And in this news about to, I mean, it's, it's one thing if, you know, we played, we played really well, and Michigan played really well, and we lost a close game. And you know, divorce totally com- and yeah. divorce coming back, like it's it's one thing. But this was a game, and yes, Michigan played well, but Jimmy Penix was not good at all. He was bad, and in the, the fourth quarter, we were only down by seven points. Like we were down by yeah. seven points most of the entire, like the entire second half. Other than yes. the last like eight minutes of the game, they, it was right fucking there. So don't don't tell me that if if DeBoer is is you know not. I mean, don't say oh well. Even if he wasn't interviewing, we still should have lost. No, that definitely had an impact on the game. One hundred percent. It. No one can convince me otherwise. I I I will not ever be convinced that that whole uh, situation did not. Yeah, maybe it. Yeah, maybe it affects. Sorry to interrupt. Maybe it affected Panics' psyche. Who knows? Well, and and you know, Aaron Levine posted a video of where DeBoer allegedly was walking off the field, punched his uh, play sheet, and then you know he turns around and kind of looks at the stadium. Now, was he looking back to kind of have that memory burn in his mind, the loss, like you know, fuel for his fire? DeBoer never really showed over emotion. I mean, was there an acting job there to show like he was really pissed off about the loss? And then he has the hug with Penix out into the hallway where the cameras are. And I'm thinking, how how sick is this man? (laughs) Because the culmination of literally this program getting the death penalty. Yeah, and, and, and side note for people listening, yeah, I'm not over it. I'm not going to get over it anytime soon. It's still going to rub rub me the wrong way. I'm not going to move on from it. I, I I don't need to hear people tell me to move on and just realize and, and say this is the reality of college football. No, man. What we just experienced, that season in my mind, the last two years didn't mean squat to that man. D- you know, he had no intention to being here long term. So. The whole thing stinks like high shit. And I want to jump into it later, but the Bama fans are completely delusional on on their hype over it because I can tell you that none of those fans have watched a single Washington game. And if they did, it was the national title game. And are you impressed with that performance? Seriously, if you're a Bama fan, you're going to be excited about that defense you saw. And, and the offense you saw, 
all that being said, like you said, Jess, they still had an opportunity to t- How do you come out of the third quarter throwing an interception? How on earth do you come up with that play there? Yeah, and even even after that, if if not for a you know questionable holding call, I mean there were and it wasn't. I mean there were people all over Twitter, just like people who were not biased, just unbiased observers who were pointing out just the the terrible officiating in the game. Yes. Well, but just I that's... mean, if they if they let if they don't call that that penalty and then that big catch by Rome. And then we're, you know, we're what we're on the plus 35 yard line or plus 30 yard line, only down seven. Right. Yeah. And, but that third quarter pick, I think he was throwing to Tybo. Where was that? I mean, was he attempting to throw it out, but that, you know, Tybo broke up the pass. That dude, Will Johnson, you know, made a good play in the ball because he bobbled it and, and was just able to barely scoop under it last second uh, before it hit the ground. I mean, Excellent play, but where was that play going? What I mean, it could have been Tybo's fault, but the the pass was still poor. It was like, were you trying to throw it out of bounds? What where was that you know ball placement? That didn't make sense. Uh that but yeah, the 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 holding penalty, because we were in the end zone and we see that ball launch and Rome catches it, and I look down on the field, and I see the flag, and everyone's going nuts. And I just look to my buddies, and I'm like, flag on the field. There's a freaking flag. And then I see Rosengarten grab his face mask with both hands, and it's like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. And in that, in that wide-open pass that Penix missed Rome on, so here's the thing that was a fourth and seven play like on our side of the field or just like at the 50. No, no, so we were closer. My, we were closer than that. That would have been a touchdown. If he well, that him. was a touchdown, but I'm saying like the, the, the position, the, to make that throw on fourth and seven on the field position we had, that tells me that they knew that play 100% was going to work. I, I think, you know, grub, DeBoer and Penix and Rome all knew that play they dialed up in that situation meant like this one is going to work. So how on earth, like (laughs) the best connection in the country, Penix and Rome, how does that not connect? What I, that is truly one of the most mystifying moments. I think even in the two years of watching these guys play together, that one was took. Yeah, you've, ne- you've, ne- you've never seen a miss like that from Penix. Never, never, not that wide open. You remember that Wazoo wide open touchdown pass he had? Uh, I mean, I think it was to Rome. Nobody yeah. hits him in stride. Uh, I I just don't understand how that play was not made. I mean, that one is just. You know, Penix took the blame on it. Rome took the blame on the the route he ran, but they they had that play dialed. They knew that play. You'd never take a shot like that unless you know for a you were you know ninety five percent certain it's going to work, and it worked. But it, it's just something that it just didn't happen. I, it just very uh, you know very perplexing to say the least. It was just shocking to see. Uh, and, and when we were in the end zone, we saw those running plays open up. And, you know, the second Donovan Edwards touchdown, 
and there were some poor angles taken, but there was this green field for days. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they obviously patched it up, but it was too late from that perspective in the sense, you know, you gave up, what, 178 yards rushing in the first quarter? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And it, no, no, go ahead. So, you know, it was a truly frustrating game overall to watch in many areas, but really the twist of the knife in the gut is the fact that DeBoer was on his way out and just one of the most sickening moments in my mind in all of it is that the 91 captains sacred team sacred individuals you have Etman, Brett Collins, Mario Bailey, Ed Cunningham in that team room and that entire time DeBoer knows he is out the door he is out the door now I understand there's a bond between the players and those people and that will never be taken away by an individual but it's still you know it's his his uh you know call to have those guys in there uh may, maybe instead maybe they should have been watching the accountant and watching you know national geographic videos of you know jaguars and leopards hunting their prey maybe that was the better play the night before but the board made the decision to have those guys address the team and he was out the door. All all he had on his mind, like, come on, it was about Alabama and getting that deal done. Because you're, you know, <laughs> from Monday to Friday, you're gone. Like, the, the rumors are heating up fast and furious by Wednesday. Fever pitch Thursday. The KGR interview with Chuck and Buck is canceled. You're like, it's over. Yeah, well, you knew it was going to be canceled. Yeah. One hundred percent. As soon as as soon as Lanning, as soon as it said Lanning said he's staying at Oregon, which which by the way, I mean another marketing thing. He was never offered the job. They were never they were never going to give it to Lanning over DeBoer. DeBoer is the guy that their AD wanted the whole time. Yep, one hundred. You know, once he didn't th- that morning when I saw that he didn't take the job, I was like, oh shit. You know, you you know what's coming, or you yep. you knew what's coming. Um, yeah, just. You know, a couple other things on DeBoer. I think, um, I mean, here are two anecdotes uh, that I heard that what, what he told one big booster. I don't know, at, at some point, maybe this was like a month ago or, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of January now. So maybe this was sometime in, you know, early December around that time. But he basically told one booster that he's a country boy at heart. And he, he saw himself going back at some point. And um, yeah, the other thing was when he was, he was recruiting someone in rural Washington and he assumed that the kid and his father, they're in rural Washington, you know, they're probably of that persuasion, you know, they're not of the Seattle, you know, liberal woke persuasion, and so he tried, he tried to, you know, make a joke about, you know, oh, well, I'm, you know, it's good to be out of like liberal Seattle, 
but you know, apparently the recruit and the father, you know, were, you know, they were more in tune with that than like, you know, rural politics. So that kind of <laughs> set them off. So I, I think, yeah, he's, he's from, a, I think a very small town in South Dakota. So he, 30, he might, yeah. He, would you say 3,500 or I think that was grub actually when grub grew up, it was 35. I couldn't get in that mixed up, but one of those guys was yeah 3,500 people. But but yeah. but either way, DeBoer probably he, he personally he probably feels more comfortable in Tuscaloosa than Seattle. Like that's what it it sounds like. That could uh, be the you know when looking back to right when when DeBoer talked about the history of Washington. I don't know like it meant a whole lot to him. I mean, I think he could appreciate it. I think he could admire it, but I don't think he really felt anything personal about it right and it's easy because you know chess you and i a month ago or you know even the last year talking about we have a unicorn coach we have a winner we have a guy who knows how to build knows how to lead uh and all all those things you know hold true but then you know when you pull back the curtain of the past mind-blowing just week and a half you know you can start picking at the warts and and when a guy is that successful you in the run that you see you're not necessarily going to start just harping on the negatives that are there that you could legitimately say like okay yeah recruit recruiting was you could say it wasn't stellar it wasn't incredible i mean they had some guys that they liked and that we liked but you know if you want to start nitpicking some of the things there you know it's certainly easier to do now <laughs> well here's yeah here here's yeah and here's something else i read i think it was on uh, from alabama 247 and somebody told them that DeBoer felt that he, he really felt that Penix should have won the heisman and that you know, if he if Penix was in the SEC, he would have won the Heisman, mm-hmm. and that also he felt that, yeah, the recruiting issue. He felt that being in the SEC, you know, he would be able to, uh, you know, recruit better, you know, have better players and have an easier time. But I mean, with with that being said, I mean he he's he's probably right, you know, to a little degree. But I I do think this Jimmy, I mean if so if he doesn't go anywhere. He's he and he stays at Washington. He's going to have a recruiting boom in the coming months. Like his stock is extremely high. He's staying at Washington. He's going to have a recruiting boom. I mean, Peterson, his recruiting really accelerated after the first two classes. Mm. And so I, I, and you know, if, if he, you know, if he were to stay or if he, you know, if he did make that decision, you know, we're probably thinking maybe this could be a nine and four team. You know, you're not going to have tons of guys go into the portal. His stock is really high. So we're going to be able to get some guys in the portal. So, yeah, I mean, it could be a nine and four team or rebuilding year, but you know, he would be able to recruit and set the stage to make another run in the years after that. And I think in Alabama, I mean, he, he's going to have a clear rebuilding year this come with, with the, the huge roster turnover and sure. yes, he, yes, he's going to be able to recruit better there, but the competition there is much higher. I mean, if you're in the, the big 10, right. If you're DeBoer and you, and you, 
you know, you stay with Washington and you're going into the Big Ten. Um, you know, Michigan's getting a new coach. They might not be as good. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Ryan Day, he he, you know, he's probably has one year left. Mm-hmm. Unless he unless he wins a national championship. You've already beaten Oregon three times. I mean, they're not going anywhere, but you already proved you could beat them. Uh, you know, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, whereas you're I mean, you're in the SEC, you got to deal with LSU and Brian Kelly, who's a really good coach. Uh, Georgia, who's a fucking yeah. monster. Yeah. You know, you got to deal with Auburn, who who plays Alabama like really tough, like yeah. just almost every year. You know, and there's plenty of other, you know, Missouri's like, a, you know, they're decent. Pro- People are saying Mississippi could be, you know, next year's Washington. I mean, Florida's a pro. Yeah, Florida's not doing well, well but I mean, they've, they've won multiple. Like, yeah, you're going to get better players, but, you know, that's like, a, that's a step up from the big team. Like, it's going to be a lot harder. Well, you're going to have to recruit your ass off. Right. And it, it, it's funny, Dan, and, you know, mentioned about fish and we'll get into it again. Like I said. But, you know, he calls him a maniacal recruiter. W- would Dannon say the same thing of of of, of uh, DeBoer? Does, does he, because, you know, their, their thing, everyone's going to say they want dynamic recruiters. I mean, of course you do. Uh, but it, it seemed like a, uh, a point that Dannon wanted to raise uh, very clearly. Like he wanted to make that a very uh, outspoken part of whoever he brought in. Um, but yeah, to your point about it, the board's going to obviously have more access to everything, more resources with Alabama. I, we, we get that. Uh, but to your point, it's not like these other coaches are going to be sitting on, uh, on their thumbs, just thinking guys are going to walk through the door for them. And here's the other thing, man, Bama does not have a generational left-handed quarterback walking into that locker room in an offense that requires a very good quarterback that requires a quarterback to throw, you know, that's why he probably wants Will Rogers in that program. I, who knows if Milrow can run that offense? Like, obviously they're going to build it around his strengths, but you know, we, we, we saw Washington run the ball against Oregon, but it's not like they made, running the ball priority and in the, in the, in the Bama fans getting uh, just, I, cause I'm starting to, I fall a lot of Bama stuff now uh, out of curiosity. And it's like, they can't wait to get Parker Brailsford in at center. And I'm thinking to myself, Bama fans are excited about a 270 pound center <laughs> in the sec, the, the, the greatest conference on earth, the best players, the big boy football. And you guys want to, and you guys are, uh, creaming yourselves over a, a 270 pound center. Okay. Like you are drinking the Kool-Aid, man. You guys haven't even watched a single Husky game. And look, uh, you look at the record, obviously it's phenomenal, right? I mean, what was he, what do you have to be in 25 and three in the end? I mean, phenomenal, but I'm just saying you're, you're following Nick Saban and it's like, they're already treating him like he's going to be better than Nick Saban because Nick Saban doesn't like nil or he he's not with the times. I'm sorry, man, but th- there's not a lot of room to be bad mouthing Nick Saban. If you're a Bama fan or trying to say that, you know, DeBoer is going to, you know, catapult them. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. And like we talked just, 
he could have built something special on his own at Washington. He didn't want to. He could have been the next statue guy. He would be revered to win championships. At Alabama, it's going to be you win a national championship. Oh, oh, well, that's what are you going to do to catch Saban? It's going to be the next one. Every loss is going to be magnified beyond belief. And if he, you know, stumbles early, you think these fans are going to give him you, the honeymoon period will end so quickly and no, everything ne- ne- will be your next year is going to be tough for him. Like it's with all the roster turnover, it's going to be really tough and not, and not having a top flight quarterback. It's it's Bro, going to be really tough. The, the, look at the throws that that offense requires for what it does. Now I, I I understand they can tailor it, but Milrow got eaten alive by Michigan. Well, they have five sacks. Um. So yeah, I, I'm just saying like, it, it, yeah, it could be very bump, bumpy, and everything, everything will be compared to Nick Saban. Everything he does. Yeah, he. He really he needs to win two national championships to exceed expectations. I do think if he wins one, he'll go to the NFL after that. Like that's yeah. probably that's probably what his plan is. Uh, but I, I mean, you you made the point. I mean, you texted me and you talked about it a little bit because you met you mentioned these coaches. And I will. I mean, all the coaches wanted to stay. I mean, apparently the 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 assistant coaches, the wife wanted to stay too. I mean, it would have been done sooner but i guess it took like a uh, a full day for the wife to come around I, and in the, the alexis DeBoer, the softball player no way she's going to stay at washington like i oh. i know that that's the plan now i'd be surprised if um i'd be surprised if she uh if if she stayed around that long but you know back to DeBoer, i mean i what you texted me and you know that post that race bannon had on hardcore i thought those were just really fitting, just summing everything up. Where you said basically the last two years, you know, the 21 game win streak, going 25 and three, you know, just galvanizing the whole, the whole city of Seattle, just the bond and the brotherhood that the coaches, the team, and the players that, that DeBoer, he will never have, like, he will never have, it will never be as good as that feeling, like, ever again. Like, he'll look back and, five years or probably 10 years and probably think, you know, I should have stayed at Washington. Like I should not have moved on because you know, you're right. It's only, it's only get harder and harder. Like when they lose two or three games this coming year and they will. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a bitch for those coaches to deal with. And, had, and, the, you, and the other thing, I think, sorry to interrupt, but the, yeah. the race, I saw race Bannon's post where I, I texted to you where he said, that um we believed in him yeah, more than we believed in himself yeah we, we we believed in DeBoer more than he believed in himself basically because we saw what he did in two years and he he you know he what he did um basically in our knowledge being fans for decades we know that if if this guy we we keep this guy around for a decade there's a good chance he's going to win a national championship. Like he's going to get, he's going to be here for a decade. He's recruiting is going to get better. You have momentum, you know, the NIL, all that stuff will, all this momentum will continue. And this guy will get another couple shots to win it. And uh, 
Yeah, and he, yeah. he he didn't he didn't and he didn't believe in himself. He didn't think he could do it at Washington, even though he was on the fucking doorstep. If not for a shitty performance, probably would have won a national shit. He didn't believe in himself. He thinks it's going to be easier at Alabama. Chess, when he got off that plane in Tuscaloosa, and the pictures they said where you have these fans behind chain link fence Jesus and barbed wire at the top. Is that Guantanamo? Is that Guantanamo? And you think, like, this is not a normal fan base. At least you could say at Washington, you <laughs> there's somewhat of a normal fan base. That out there, completely different world. Completely different world. Okay, he's a small-town country boy in Tuscaloosa. Can he go anywhere? He's not going to be able to go anywhere, to, at least in Seattle. Now, granted, I understand Seattle has issues. And there's portions of Seattle that a lot of us don't want to go around. And it's unfortunate some areas of what they've turned into. But the guy could walk around. The guy, the dude could live a normal life outside of the stadium. In Tuscaloosa, that will not be the case. He will be bothered everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, it's going to be a completely different atmosphere and environment. And to the people that say they can't fault him, he's going to win a bunch of national I know Dick Bain went on this whole rant about he's going to win multiple national championships there. And, like, maybe, possibly. I think Bill Connolly put a post. Now, this was pre-nil and portal and free agency bullshit. But I think, like, all these coaches that, you know, uh, succeeded the 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 prior coach that were super successful. It took like forty years for another national championship to come around for a lot of these programs. So this idea that it's a lock that this is going to work out for him, that is that couldn't be further from the truth. And I tell you what, Jess, with the burning of the program this way, and we don't have a full insight, but all of these players talk, man. If there's players. In Washington, there's players in Alabama. I mean, you have Mish Powell going to Miami now. Okay, all these guys talk. You have no idea what text messages and what communications are being shared. And you don't think Arizona guys know Washington guys? You don't think all these all these kids are talking? I mean, that's the way of their world, man. They can connect with each other in an instant. They can find each other on Instagram in 30 seconds, 20 seconds, and they can hit people up, uh, it, you know, in so many different yeah, ways. You, no, you're right. Uh, yeah. Puka uh, Nakua, you know, after the 20 season, you know, he transferred. But I remember, of course, this is secondhand, hearing that, you know, him and some other, you know, they were laughing at Washington and John Donovan's offense. You know, there were other players from the other school, like USC and Oregon were, you know, texting him and, you know, laughing at UW's offense, basically. So, yeah, yeah they, I, all, they all know each other and they text. 100%. And so um, it, it, it's just the 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 way that it went down and, and the and the roster turner, turnover that we're witnessing. And then you, as a college football fan, as long as you and I have been fans and, and you know, we've always – love the pageantry and the, the tradition and the history and 
what the game meant. And there's a huge paradigm shift. And really, we saw the camel that broke its back with this. The, the DeBoer moment really has accelerated. Uh, you know, it magnified the problem that the, that the college football game has now uh, with the fact that, you know, where we saw a group of guys together for two years. Now, granted, they're losing a lot of guys in the NFL. You know, I think this is one of the largest – it looks to be one of the largest Pac-12 rosters for as many people going into the NFL. I think in the history of the Pac-12, like it's got, it's got, yeah, it's got a chance. I think I think someone said you or someone tweeted eleven is the record for USC, and that or let me find that tweet. But yeah, yeah continue. So yeah, Washington's between like ten and twelve guys who are in the NFL, and it almost felt like everyone just walked out the door, <laughs> right? And then, but here's the thing, man the cascading effect of all of this where the Husky, you know, players that have the ability to leave, they're looking at the roster and they're looking at decimation. Like right now you don't even have a clarity on a quarterback that can play the position. Yeah. And and, And remember that these players, like they, they have to act fast because if they'll say, Oh, well, I'll wait and see what it looks like at the end of spring, you know, their options after after that could be nil you know not to use a pun but so the uncertainty is enough to drive them away and chess now you look at it from you look at Arizona's players perspective okay everybody's just assumed that Fafita and McMillan were coming because fish came that does that automatically mean they're coming in my mind no it does not the other component if you're Fafita you're going to you're going to go look at that offensive line, you're going to look at your running back position. You might like the receivers, right? But you don't know a lot about them. A lot of those guys didn't get a lot of playing time because of all the elite talent in front of them. If you're seriously, if you're Fafita and you're thinking about going, like yeah, you'll know the system, but you are looking at right now possibly like virtually an all freshman offensive line with some transfers. Where it, it, it at this moment now, things could change rapidly, as we know. But right now, it appears Arizona is is uh, staying cohesive for the time being. And uh, Fafita and the new coach are at the Arizona basketball game together tonight. So, you know, what conversations are they having? So, I mean, I, I expect that Arizona will lose some guys. Yes, they will. They're, they're going to lose some guys, but you know, and we'll get some of those guys, and we'll probably keep some some guys who got on the portal. We'll be able to keep them, but um, you know, even that, in that's the, just Chess, that's still, like, yeah, no, even it's still a yeah, it's no, it's like an expansion team, basically. <laughs> Truly, I, I mean, can and I know it's one of the. I'll, I'll wait to cover because someone answers the question, but just kind of you know the transition from you know, 14 and one to, to where we are now. Has there anything been like it? And we'll, we'll address it in the question section, but um, it, it, it's, it's truly unfathomable. It, and it's crazy. Like we're, we're a week and a half from that Houston game and it's felt like a lifetime ago and the ups and downs truly of the emotion is 
we were loving we loved DeBoer and now I truly I hate him <laughs> I do not like him I question him uh Gladstone had a tweet about how um about how he couldn't face the players all week uh, and you know he felt bad for his wife and kids because he appears to be a sociopath and, yeah. I, <laughs> and I'm just thinking but truly, like he's already using the tired cliches in his press conference with Alabama. It's like, sorry, but I don't, I don't buy any of it. Yeah, and Josh Pate, I listened to his BS, and he said that Kalen DeBoer got a standing ovation from the Washington players. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, that is horse fucking shit. idiot. Did he mention that only a quarter of the team showed up? No, he didn't. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Pate's a clown, man. I think he just says it for click. It's like Skip Bayless is the dumb and shit. He's, you know, posted a picture of him throwing Dak Prescott's jersey in the garbage. I mean, it's just, uh, it's for clicks. Like Lanning says, he, you know, he he's not for clicks, but here he is on this whole PR run, how he's yeah. you know, turned down Bama to stay at Oregon. It's like, okay, yeah. Okay, pal. Good job. You're You're getting clicks, buddy. Just the thing you claim you don't want, but yeah, their their whole thing is getting clicks. Yeah, right. It's marketing, marketing attention. So, do we want to j- jump into the fish hire and and that, and then do questions? Yeah, what? Yeah, one thing about recruiting fish it, at coming off his first season. After the first season, their recruiting class was number twenty-two, and they only won <laughs> one game, so they were one and ten or one and eleven. His class was number twenty-two. Mm. Uh, I'm looking in in the last class. Uh, let's see, ah, number forty, not quite as good. Yeah, yeah, he had. I think he had one kind of, yeah, tailed off. But yeah, what what I'll say about fish, um, the guy has an incredible pedigree. I mean, listen mm. to the coaches that he's coached under: sure. Steve Spurrier, Mike Shanahan. Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. I mean, the guy's coached under like all these. I mean, the only like coach he hasn't coached under who's incredible is uh, Saban, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? That's an incredible list, and I mean that that's enough for a school like Arizona to hire the guy. But it doesn't it doesn't guarantee success. Sure. But then he goes in Arizona. I mean, the, the COVID year, I think they were 0-5 maybe or 0-6. Yeah, I mean, okay. they, were a fu- they were a fucking dumpster fire. We all remember that. Yep. So his first year is a disaster, or it's really tough. You know, they only won one game, one and ten. Second year, last year, five and seven. Remember, they played UW tough. They played, yep. uh, they played USC really tough. Uh, they upset UCLA at the end of the season. And then that leads to this year going 10-3, and three, where – they should have beat USC. I mean, they, they're 10 and three. They lost to us. The other two losses were in overtime, and they should not have lost those games. So right. you look at this guy's, when you look at his pedigree, the coaches he's co- he coached under, and then he goes to a dumpster fire. And in three years, they're 10 and three. I mean, his, his resume is, is really, it's really impressive at this point. Yeah. Um, this this year's team was a lot of fun to watch. Um, their offense was explosive. They had really good players. 
Uh, you know, their defense was pretty good. And you know, I watched the majority of the Oklahoma game. And, you know, honestly, they didn't play that great for three quarters. Uh, but then they turned it on in the last 11 minutes of the game. I mean, they 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 punched Oklahoma in the throat and uh, kicked their ass in the fourth quarter, which I can appreciate. I like a fourth quarter ass kicking. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I Fafita and McMillan are obviously outstanding football players. Their tight end was great. That kid Cowling was really good. Jonah Coleman, 6.8 yards per rush. I think Fafita had as many touchdowns as Penix with two less games. Um, so, you know, that, that whole team was, was fun to watch. And I did, I, I, I had a soft spot for Arizona last year. Um, I, I think from the standpoint of what was available, like realistic options, I know it, it sounded like at a, at the, at one point that Leopold had taken the pole position and appeared like that he was going to be the guy. And then that changed quickly to fish. And it, you know, part of that probably was his West coast ties. Uh, you know, it, it, this idea that he's a, a maniacal recruiter, uh, which, you know, is going to be important with this roster uh, obliteration. And, and the fact that he had the rebuilding experience that he got at Arizona, because there's going to be an element that uh, element of that here. And so I think all of those things, you know, are are definitely pluses. Now, do I think it's a grand slam higher? I'm not ready to say it's a grand slam. I think it's a home run higher, but I don't think it's a grand slam higher. But I don't know that there was a grand slam higher available to Washington. And of course, the next question is: Is it going to be here a long time? You look at his resume, similar to Boers. I mean, he's been all over the map, and uh, you know, NFL teams have shown interest in him i think the titans had a lot of interest uh you know there's a lot talk. one th- a lot of those forth. a lot of sorry to cut you up but a lot of those staffs got fired that he was on yeah fair enough okay sure yeah that that's an element yeah that's that that's definitely um you know would play a factor in job hopping and uh, you know in football it's not uncommon too right uh to 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 switch jobs a lot it's it yeah, could be especially a, Especially when you're assistant. I mean, he did. Um, he was with the Rams. Let's see. Rams for two years. Um, he was only yeah, I, one. 2010. Right. And that was the Carroll staff, if I recall. That yeah, so staff. he still he still must be close with Carroll because apparently Pete Carroll was there yesterday or yeah. whenever the. You know, because yeah. there was a couple pictures of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm less concerned about um um. You know, obviously, you want continuity because we see in this transfer portal era that when the coach leaves, it's just a it's it's a fucking bomb, basically. Especially for like a, yeah, it's like a well, the same things happening to Alabama, but especially for us because we had so many seniors. Yeah, but it's yeah. like a it's like a bomb going off. But yeah, I mean it's it's hard it's hard to. You I, know what I bothers think, me I, about a chest. You want to know another part of me that bothers me is that Jabbar Muhammad has Oregon as like his top transfer position. Yeah, it's yeah, like, that's just that's just that's just terrible. 
the, the, you know, it's like the rivalry doesn't mean anything. These kids that come in and portal, you know, if you don't have any background in the rivalry, you don't grow up in the area. It doesn't mean shit, right? Yeah. You're a fucking mercenary. Just go somewhere else. Just at least have the common courtesy to go somewhere else. (laughs) Seriously. Like what a, what a kick in the nuts. Go to fucking, yeah. Go to Texas or Alabama. And it felt like chess too, like just the stream of bad news, right? You know, the, the, the coaching shift and then. Uh, all these guys starting to, to to portal. It's like when does the bleeding stop? Like, and he was <laughs> and he was repeating the or you know Oregon. Oh, they're coached. You know they building something down. special. Yeah, building something special. He turned down you know high profile jobs like Alabama. He wasn't fucking offered Alabama. Okay, <laughs> but this but this is what or this is what Oregon does. They're so good at marketing. Yeah, no, they they do a great job. They have a national brand, no doubt. Um, and that's the thing, man, we, we were, you know, it's just, it, it's painful to know. It's painful to understand that he, that Kalen did not want to be here long-term. He really did not have any interest. Um, and it, it, you know, who knows what his long-term interest is in Alabama. He was offered a job there. He's going to make a shit ton of money, but we were willing to pay a lot of money too. We were uh, willing to go over 10 million a year for him. Yeah. So, um, money, money wasn't a big factor. There was, there was other, other factors that meant more. I mean, he knew obviously he was going to get paid a lot of money to go to Alabama. Um, but you know, it's just, it, it just, it hurts to know that, you know, he didn't want to be here and the week before the game, you know, w- what did it truly mean to him? And what were, where, where was he in the moment? He always talks about being in the moment, not go to the negative. I was just, I was preaching to you the night before the game, but I'm a changed man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Listen to this guy. You're, re-eval- now, you're reevaluating your life. He, he, here's the, exactly. And here's the thing. Like I got burned, you know, in, in, uh, the career world years ago and in, in, in believing in things that I were told and, um, I was like, never again. And then here I am getting sucked in on this ride and thinking like we have a unique individual um, that, you know, that truly cares and gets it. And then he just rips our heart out. It's, and it's uh, you feel like never again am I falling for this horse shit. And it's just like Ryan Otten's dad tweeting like I I'm never going to hear. I never want to hear another coach talk about family and culture and trust. It means spit, right? Like he was disgusted. Um, because but chess, here's the thing too. When we got the commitment from that sale kid, the linebacker, you think DeBoer was telling him he was, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be your coach. We're gonna be here, we're not going anywhere. And that was like, you know, probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He's telling this kid that this is gonna be the staff he's gonna play for at Washington. He wouldn't have made that commitment. He's not gonna make a commitment. Off the board saying, well, I probably won't be here in a year. And then, and then of course, when the news comes, he leaves, he decommits. So what, what was he selling that kid? What was he selling the top uh, player in the state as a junior? What was he selling him? That he was going to be the coach. I mean, a prerequisite for this job is lying. I mean, Fish was lying too. You know, he was saying he was going to sign an extension, but apparently 
they were really far apart in what he was expecting and what they were willing to pay. Like they were worlds apart on coming to an agreement. It's a two two things. So when DeBoer embraced CTF after the USC game, you think that was kind of fake? I question everything, dude. I I, I yeah. I mean, on the field, Cameron's there, gets that moment, and then he gets the Penix moment in the hallway, and Penix holding his ribs. He could have he could have consoled him inside the locker room with no cameras, but no. In the walkway, he's talking to Penix right there where all the cameras are. What yeah, as as far as sorry, as far as fish, I'm really I thought we wouldn't be able to get him. I'm surprised he took the job. Couple I really things. am. I here here's my thing. If Tequila pushed back on me on it, and, and it's a fair position he took. In, in my view, right, he's got arguably a top ten team. They're going to be a playoff contender. He he makes that run. Let's say he goes into the second round of the playoff. He is the hottest coach in the country, probably at that standpoint. One of maybe not the top. But he is definitely probably a top three hottest coach in the country if he takes Arizona into the second round of the playoffs. You you have any job available to you at that point. Hey, he's got money. He lives in Arizona. Cost of living's not too bad. So he beautiful house con- if you saw that video. I didn't see the video. I'm sure it's amazing. Judging like, from the inside. Yeah. So you know, to me. You you take that gamble way to where you you're gonna have a lot of options on the table, but you know and, and he's got a tougher job here for at least one year. Um, obviously he doubled his pay. He's gonna make good money, but in my in my view, what he built there, he got he was gonna put that on full display in the Big Twelve, which was probably. You know, that's probably the most winnable conference maybe outside of the ACC, right, uh, for him. Great chance to win that conference. But, you know, Tequila says, well, what if someone gets hurt? What if he doesn't have a great year? He loses three games, stock goes down. That's a fair uh, concern, right, where, you know, defrauder, he has to come into a rebuilding year with Washington. He's not going to be the hottest coach, you know, after a potential three or four loss season. He's off a insane run his stock is never going to be higher you bounce yeah well and I, I think and i yeah i think with fish yeah i think i think tech's point is right in that his stock is already really high yes there's more upside but the the risk reward in terms of his own stock is um you know like there there's some room that could fall you know if something goes wrong this next season versus like yeah his stock could get really hot but it's already pretty hot at this point so i think cashing in is not a bad move and if you think about the washington job and i think tech was also saying this i mean what other job that's like better than that is going to come open in the next year or two i mean i, I don't know you know maybe usc maybe florida but you can't you can't if you're him you can't bank on that there's always going to be opportunities. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, what what's Ryan Day's situation? We don't know. Yeah, but yeah, um, me, you look at the top jobs. 
Yeah, interesting. His uh, his kids do not look happy in those photos, but you can say I the did. same about DeBoer's kids too. Yeah, I, I did notice that they didn't look thrilled, but you know they look younger, and you got cameras in your face. I mean, it's awkward. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you know? um, but you know if if you like the sun. You know, you're not moving to a place where you're going to get a lot of sun. Well, I mean, he's been married for a long time and they've moved around quite a bit. So the wife's probably a trooper. And I mean, you know, if they if I mean, they already lived in Seattle once. So if you know, if if they really hated it, they probably he probably wouldn't have taken this job. Yeah. And look, I mean, he's probably going to live in Medina or Laurelhurst. I mean, it's not like they're going to be slumming it. (laughs) <laughs> so they'll they'll be fine they'll be they'll they'll be living just fine and you know to to his comment right i mean you could argue that is the greatest uh football office uh you could imagine um you know his presser you know comments were i think spot on and to throw in don james in there was classy and the history and you know he he definitely presented himself well and i feel like i don't feel like anyone in seattle is going to be putting his picture in a trough and pissing on it yeah like they are in arizona <laughs> well i wonder if some, i wonder if somebody did that with DeBoer's photo well someone probably will now once that video release it's probably going to be next Uh, yeah, before we get to questions, I do want to shout out Buffy Miller. I mean, her, her, just her support of the program, like long after Jordan Miller has, you know, graduated. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, that's, you know, we talk about building the Husky community. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that just warms my heart, you know, when people who've, you know, they're, they have family members or kids and they played here they continue to support the program after that. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's what we like. Yeah. And, and that's the thing we, all of us have to recalibrate, right. How we, how we view all this. Cause you know, for some it, they're not, there's going to be fans that are not going to embrace this new era and, and the interest will wane. And you don't think that didn't cross my mind. It certainly has. Um, and, the other thing is that nothing's going to get cheaper that the, the, there's going to be more demand to open the wallets. Uh, so, you know, to hang in this moving forward is going to take the willingness to understand the realities and that it's not going to be obviously the game of old. So um, I'm torn of- on some stuff. But yeah. I'll get I'll yeah. turn. Yeah. Speaking of things not getting cheaper, it's nice to see uh our uh you know President Kause and Dannon uh working on uh Bill Gates at the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. All right, the natty. Wasn't that the natty? Uh yeah, you're right. That was that was at the natty. Yeah. Um yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, get him involved. You know, sell him on the importance of Husky football for the community, how it makes a civic impact, 
And uh, that guy probably needs his, he needs to wash the uh, Epstein stain off his, <laughs> uh, off his profile a little bit. So donating some money for foot, you know, for football and athletics as a whole, you know, being, being a BSD, um, you know, someone, someone should uh, get him on that. Yeah, no, that's definitely an angle that needs to be, uh, needs to be worked for sure. <laughs> yeah but to what a, point, well, i mean what a fucking terrible decision on that guy's part for for getting involved with epstein like what i mean what a just a horrible decision not good what we like to say is not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not uh not wise I mean, the guy, it just tells you like what people can fall into sometimes. I mean, the guy's just like a genius. I mean, he's real, he's like a, probably has like an IQ of like 250. He's extremely smart, knowledgeable about everything. Yeah. And yeah. He just to make such a stupid, like even a 10 year old knows that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. 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 He's got to work on his uh, reasonings around all of it too. It wasn't, uh, wasn't probably the best. Uh, yeah. So donate some, yeah. Donate some fucking money, Bill. Like, get yeah. on board. Get on board. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Question time because. All right. Uh, yeah, I know it's getting late. Um, yeah. Is Coke truly greater than Pepsi? I've always thought that Coke is better, but I don't really uh, drink both. I've thought Pepsi's terrible. In my opinion. No, Coke is not even it's not even a competition yeah but i mean if you're bo both are kind of poison with the uh high fructose corn syrup yeah you don't want to drink coke you don't want to drink any of it if you can avoid it yeah next question have we heard if jed is open to bringing back former players on campus to work out or connect with the new guys i'm sure he's going to be open to that yeah i mean at arizona he he hired teddy bruce brushki or was that is that his name? Yeah, Brushy, Brushy, Brusky, yeah. Brushy. <laughs> he hired him for some position. Um, and you know, I mean, Rob, they, Rob Gronkowski, he brought him back a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you oh. have if you have half a brain, you're gonna do it. So I would I would expect it. Yeah. Um, crazy that we were 60 minutes away from a DDY resurrection one week ago, but the loss kept him in his tomb. Fast strategy players win. Now emerging our fast strategy coaches might be the trend going forward. Win quick and have a coach leave is better than wait out a few seven win seasons. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is the crux of the issue, right? Uh, Washington's had now, what, seven coaches since 2000? Since 2000? I mean, you have New Heitzel. You had, uh, you know, uh, Gilby, you had Tyrone, you had Sarkeesian, you had Peterson, you had Lake, you have DeBoer, and now you have your eighth coach. That's eight. Yeah, eight. Eight coach. in the last 23 years, 23 yeah. seasons, yeah. I mean, that is, in my opinion, not acceptable. Uh, you know, the Peterson abruptly leaving at the time was was a bit of, su of a surprise. But when we were getting hearing the rumblings, then it, it wasn't a surprise. Um, you know, what stung, like we've already said, that we felt like, you know, we had a coach that was really unique and clearly 
uh, you know, he was able to win. Fa- I mean, that's the thing. And we talked about it. Coaches that, that turn programs this quickly, right there. You only see that every so often. So when we see these quick turnarounds, you know, you have something special. Um, I, I, and that's the thing. Like, I think it was a good fit. Everything appeared to be a really good fit. And I don't know if that's necessarily the situation at Alabama. I don't know if that's going to be the fit that he had at Washington. And, and like I said, you, to have that run and that special of a two seasons to just like flush that down the toilet like you did makes me ill. But yeah, from a standpoint, yeah, we could be in a situation where Jed has early success and more people come knocking on the door and he moves along. And that's where, you know, that's where you keep your emotions at bay and you keep your you, you keep your attachments around the university, the players you build. You know, that's the thing with Dan, and he's going to have to build a culture that sustains regardless who's running the ship as the head coach. But me personally, I don't like all the turnover. That That's part of my element of building and developing and watching a, a program grow through a coach. I enjoy that part of the game. Now, I get it. That's, you know, probably not going to be the case where, there's going to be so much portal movement, which hopefully they'll put some guardrails on it. But yeah, I mean, I think you should have the expectation that that fish doesn't, you know, finish out his contract. Uh, need Jimmy to rank the following in order of his least favorite Huskies ever. Okay. Yeah. Hedges, Tur- Hedges, Todd Turner, Willingham, Sark, defraud any write-in candidates yeah i mean right now it's devore's number one i think todd turner's number two and sark's easily number three i think todd sark are interchangeable um but yeah that would be my top three for sure right now yeah when they when we honor this team like in 25 years um you think DeBoer will be welcome back like probably not no no I think this one is I think this one cuts deep right you know it's like you don't you know with high hopes don't hold on too tight (laughs) because you can get you know the, the come down really hurts I mean that's the thing you you get so high on the ladder and when things go wrong or, or change like this, it's, you know, it makes it even harder, the fall even further and hurt more. Um, because, I, yeah, I mean, like, you, it just, it tarnishes. That's the thing. Like it felt like the whole, that whole week was like a black cloud over the last two years that it felt like it eclipsed everything before that. Because of the emotional roller coaster and how it all transpired, and all of the things that came out afterward about how this went down, it 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 is really sad that it has tarnished and marred what we went through as fans and players. Well, I I hope that we can. I hope that in time we it will be untarnished, 
or detarnished. I think, yeah, I think so. It's still it's still raw. It's still fresh. You know, they say time's the most best healer, chest. So it's just gonna take us time. So I I just think of this song by Zach Brown. It's called "The East Side of Sorrow." Man, it's uh, basically about the, the sun comes up tomorrow. <laughs> That's what you gotta embrace, man. That's what Mario Bailey would tell you. I don't know why all these Husky fans have hate in their heart. He's just doing what's best for his family. No, he's not. Yeah, he's no, doing- he's not. He's doing. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's doing what he selfishly wants. What's yes. What's best for his family would have been staying here. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, Mario, come on. I love you, buddy. But dude, come on. Please let's let save us from that talk, please. Uh, are we fucked? The Porto era is uncharted territory. No, I don't, I don't think we're fucked. We'll see how it shakes out. It's going to be a rebuilding year, but hopefully we can, you know, get enough talent to, uh, you know, win seven games and well, not, I, not win four or five. Yeah, I think I, I, if you ask me that right now, I think, you know, a five or six win season is, you know, it's you you, you need to find a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback that, that you yeah. feel good about, going to be very it's going to be very ugly um i i think you know to fish's point that recruiting is important to him out of high school because you got to build a foundation i i really feel like that is the case like you 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 cannot rely on mercenaries where that comes into play is plugging holes that you need immediate needs for but if you want you know, to have success, you're going to have to build a nucleus. It's going to be something that you keep together. And that is uh, a positive of keeping a guy around is that you don't have him leave and then everyone disperse. And then you get stuck in a cycle of turning rosters uh, because, you know, it's a little different because it's so many sixth year guys and so many people and you know a couple i think a couple guys retired but uh you you know that's the thing about having a coach here at least a little while so that you can build a foundation and and build and work off that right because you yeah if you get in the cycle of just trying to rely on the portal every year you know it's gonna be it's gonna be uh you have to have everything aligned it's you have to get there's going to be a lot of luck involved it's just luck and football to me are just something that you don't want to rely on yeah and and you know the the continuity i mean a big reason why we're able to have this season is these guys you know they stayed yes um i mean they stayed through multiple coaching changes yeah. Peterson Peterson left you know all those all those recruits they I don't think we lost anybody a couple of years later Jimmy Lake punt or strikes his own player thank God he did that flames <laughs> out DeBoer comes in basically keeps everybody except one or two guys yeah. uh so you know we did kind of get lucky in that regard but no I think you're right I think you need to you need to stack classes and you need to have some continuity because you can't just bring in an entire new team like that that doesn't that's not no. how you win championships no because that like, and that's the thing brotherhood right we talk about these bonds we talked about that 
And that was what was unique about Michigan and Washington is that you had guys that stuck around and they grinded together. And you turn that in and out, you might get personalities that don't work out for a season and it screws up your whole year because you don't have the right uh, personalities in place. Yeah, even if you have a lot of talent on paper. That's right. It happens all the time in sports at all levels. Absolutely. So it's it's important that, you know, Fish does stick to stick to that mindset that he wants to build through high school classes because that that is how they'll, you know, develop, you know, some some sustained success. It's got a big tour ahead of him. There's 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 no sugarcoating it. You want to stay optimistic and you want to have a positive attitude. I can appreciate those things and look at the silver linings. But, you know, the bottom line is that he has a major roster overhaul. He's got to find a quarterback. Uh, th- those things are vital. And, and so it, it could be a tough first year. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to gut it out. And the reality of, to it, I'm not being negative. I I know I can tend to go to the pessimistic angle, but... The truth of the matter is it's he's got work ahead of him, right, to, to get a roster together for for the fall. It, it's going to be work. This is – it's not just going to magically show up for him. So there's definitely a lot of work ahead for him and his staff. Can we get a status update on Jimmy? His tweets post to snake debacle have me worried. Is he ready to fall back in love and be hurt again by the visor? This guy said, shout out to Michigan Husky. Love you guys. <laughs> yeah i mean uh yeah in time i'll be ready i i i i liked what fish had to say in his presser uh he seems like a fine guy i love his pedigree like you had mentioned uh the maniacal recruiter that's always exciting so we're gonna be definitely watching the recruiting closely um yeah but i still need more time i'm uh, i'm a jilted lover and uh i'll get there but yeah i mean of course i'm gonna support fish am i gonna you know i'll keep i'll keep a you know i'll keep arm's length from from the emotion Uh, i'll keep the attention on the players and and the product on the field and if he leaves, he leaves, and then we're off. To, we're on to the next guy. It's just going to be what we embrace. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm backing up the fish. I'm not going to buy that, you know, fishing in Motlake sweatshirt or anything. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm happy he's here. The players got a coach. We got some, you know, stability. But you know, I'm I'm still I'm not very happy. Yeah, we we need we need a lot of time. We need some time to pass. Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to just you know move on from it. Like some, if some said they'd move on to it, I don't buy it. It's a cope, and that's okay too. But no, no one could be moved on and and feel good about this. You know, four or five days later, no way. The transfer portal was criticized because it opened prior to the end of the season. Now it seems worse because a school that loses its coach is left with their entire team entering the portal, but not being able to recruit elsewhere. Any word of updates coming to the portal? Yeah, this this is this is really interesting how 
you can have a coach leave and players can go on the portal and leave, but you can't really. Um, right. You can only recruit the players that are leaving those schools with the coaching changes, right? Yeah. So it it is kind of a, a it, it is a crazy situation, and yeah, they're gonna have to make some uh, changes to the the rules because the, these are these are situations. Yeah, these are some these are situations that the rules, the current rules, have not accounted for. And does does DeBoer even care? He just blew up an entire roster. Just blew up an entire team. Well, he's blow, he's blowing up too, almost you could say. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he teared up in the conference about Washington. I I don't buy it. Fake fucking crocodile tears. I don't buy that shit. Yeah. First, nope. Guy's a fucking con man. Yes. <laughs> That's absolutely a 100% accurate. Uh, how long ago was DeBoer planning on bailing? Uh, there's one reply to this. Shout out to Joseph, longtime listener, uh, great <laughs> poster. He said, before the Apple Cup, that's when Saban told Jimmy Sexton that he'd be retiring, and that's when Jimmy told DeBoer to not sign the extension that had already been negotiated. That makes yeah. sense to me. Makes sense to me, and really, I, I don't think DeBoer saw himself here. I think he, I think, honestly, he had doubts of even even signing an extension going into this year. I think, obviously, you know, he had a, I don't think, like, it was in the forefront of his mind, but it definitely was, looking back, this was just going to be a, a a pit stop for him. I really believe that. Now, obviously, yeah, when we magnify into the idea of the Alabama job being the case, then yeah, I think the whole sex thing, he controls the whole fucking narrative around the coaches. Uh, and he got a, all his guys a bunch of raises, and he uh, he represents Jed Fish. So, um, you know, It's uh, it's a wild world, man. It's and, like like DTF said. It's all, you got to remember. It's a business. And DeBoer, the, he really thought that we were going to win the national championship, yeah, and that did. and that we could and that he he could leave and that he wouldn't be uh, yeah. wouldn't create all well, these issues. Yeah, I mean, would if we won the national championship and he left for Alabama, I think we would all have. I think we'd obviously we would be bummed and upset, but you know, being the national champs might have taken a little bit of the sting out of it. Yeah. Couple more. Here's a good one. In the history of sports, has there ever been a team where the gap between the highs and lows have been greater in a two week period? Not even two weeks. Yeah, it was five days. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I. I I can't think of one, you know, there's probably been scenarios where fans felt similar emotions. <clears throat> we weren't there to experience that. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, from this high to low, it seems, it seems uh, pretty unlikely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, when Bill Parcells was coaching the New England Patriots, he left after they lost in the Super Bowl, and he was yeah, he was yeah. feuding with uh, what's his face, the guy who got the uh, the guy who got the rub and tugs. 
Oh, uh, Jerry Jones? Oh, no, I mean, uh, not. Oh, uh, if I'm blanking on his Kraft. name. Robert. Kraft. Yeah, Kraft. Kraft, yeah. Um, yeah, like they were feuding before the suit, but that was that was kind of known. Yeah. You know, th- yeah. this was this was kept under but I'm thinking that that's kind of uh did did I did the Patriots hire Pete Carroll after that? They I think may they have. might have. Yeah. Then he went to the Giants, not really I think pissed off fans too for some reason. The the Jets. Or the Jets. Sorry. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's kind of one somewhat similar. I, I can't think of um you know, Toronto won the NBA finals and then Kawhi Leonard you know, he was like a kind of like a rental and they thought they were going to re-sign him and, yeah. he, you know, decided to go to the Clippers. But that was, uh, that was not over five days. I think that was over like a, uh, maybe three weeks, but they, you know, just, they, they won to... the whole thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really hard to, well, it, just the run they had and then, you know, build up around, you know, we, there was rumblings that he was going to sign an extension to and you know I, there's other people i talked to that you know it felt felt like it was going to happen meaning that you know nobody knew a whole lot in that respect but uh i i think it's uh i think it's up there it's up there for sure just the two years, the 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 personalities, the players, the the nucleus, the magic, the you know all of it, and and for it just to get yeah, great memories. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go through my photos. I'm organizing yeah. them, but I started to, and I was going through the the uh, going through some of them, and just like what a great season. Yeah, I went to all those games with you know my closest and best friends, and you know those are things you got to keep in the forefront. That yeah, you went to, you went to the Pac-12 championship game, yeah, uh, the Sugar Bowl, and the Natty man. And the, I mean, yeah, uh, did, did you go to? You went to the first Oregon game, right? I went to the first Oregon game. I went to Boise State. Yeah, and I went to Michigan State. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, epic, so, epic yeah. season, man. I mean, epic, and uh, you know, in those moments, man, it was it was amazing, right? So, um, th- th- those are the things, right, where you gotta, you know, keep those those things in the forefront, not not let one guy shit all over it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is the funding at Montlake Futures looking like with the new membership funds? Is it generating a revenue stream to recruit a talented roster in this current situation? Now I'm kind of I'm not well versed in the understanding of how all this works, but one thing I did hear is Arizona's budget, their NIL budget, was less than two million. Wow. Uh, F- Fish's budget could be close to ten million now. Mm. Because I mean, for Penix, like we may have—I don't know how much we had to pay. Pen- it might have been a million or a million and a half. And some somebody said or reported that Ohio State was offering him a lot of money. Penix, yeah. Uh, you mean into going into this year or when he? Was yeah, yeah, go, yeah, going, uh, yeah, going into uh, yeah, 
after last year. Okay. Huh. So well, it, yeah. I mean, I know that doesn't. That's not a direct answer, but Fish will have a much bigger budget here. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's I. Wooly Duke was mentioning that there, you know, Fish might have been paying players out of his own salary at Arizona. That's pretty impressive if he did that. Is that like under the table or? I don't know. Well, isn't that what that dude at the Arizona basketball coach got in trouble for? That Sean, I can't remember his name. Sean That's Miller? Was that his last Sean name? Miller. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know enough about it, but. Uh, how many years does the Pac-2 continue to blame UW for the Pac collapse? Uh, just speaking on Wazoo, I mean they're they're a, a for the most part they're a loser fan base, <laughs> yeah, and, and lo- losers just fucking blame they'll blame put the blame on somebody else just over and over again. Yeah, I don't I don't know why the narrative is that this is Washington's fault. I, I, I I'm not not tracking it. Yeah, we just saw that the big money jumped off the ship and you know as the ship was sinking or before it started to sink we decided to get off and uh yeah i mean it's just USC started the started the yeah. dominant come on let's yeah, not... in college football it's like a caste system okay there's a food there's a food chain and you're at the bottom of it okay sorry wazoo and oregon state but that's how it is yeah, I like I like Oregon State and what they've done for a long time, but you know it it'll work itself out in the next ten years. Sure. You know, I had this this old buddy I worked with years ago, and you know we're connected on Instagram. And he, after the national title game, he posts a Michigan flag that pops up, and of course I unfriended him and blocked him. It's like you insufferable fan. Guess what, Coog? You will never have the opportunity to play in a national championship game. I'm pretty confident of that. So, at least we got to watch our team play in that game. At least you could say that much. Oh, great fucking season. 14-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. Epic run. Uh... If we now have a Jewish head coach, can we get rid of Softy? Is that is that anti-Semitic? <laughs> Anything can be construed. I mean, I you know, I, I stay away from it. He get in trouble for saying, you know, I you know, you could get in trouble for saying you like uh, Mexican food. I mean, that that could be you know, a problem or I like to cook Mexican food could be a problem. So, you know, be careful what you say. Oh, okay. Two final ones. Quickies. Okay. Has DeBoer overtaken Sark for the biggest piece of shit coach in UW history? Earlier, I mean, you put DeBoer above Sark in your anti rankings. Yeah, I, I guess. That's real. That's a really hard. That's a really hard question for you, because <laughs> you I know, know your disdain for Sark even exceeds mine. So, so here's the. I mean, here's the little bit of the dilemma, right? Is that Sark was such a horrible person off the field, and 
you know, it doesn't appear that DeBoer has any of those skeletons in his closet or had a an issue with drinking on the job. Um, but it almost makes it worse that I don't know that Sark was really trying to. That's the thing about Sark. Like, I don't think he was really worried about a persona or, or, you know, he wasn't huge into this earning trust and all this leadership and family and love. And it's, I don't really remember Sark talking a lot about that. And, you know, DeBoer kind of put this face on that is just absolutely who he is not. I don't know that Sark was necessarily hiding who he was. I don't, I mean, he was getting drunk in front of USC alumni, you know, saying fight the fuck on and, you know, uh, stumbling drunk off the podium. It's not like this guy was trying to really project himself as this clean cut dude that was uh, doing everything right. He was just kind of a, up and coming young coach. I mean, some of this stuff, I'm not going to say it, but what he did at USC when he was on the Carroll staff would make you sick. Uh, but in a sense, I don't know that Sark was really trying to generate this image that where DeBoer's generated a, a specific image and he kind of just flushed it down the toilet in an instant. I don't know what's worse. You tell me. <laughs> right now, I'm leaning DeBoer. <laughs> I think DeBoer has the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that analysis and decision. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, that's. I mean, but DeBoer is so disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word. That, that's the. <laughs> Fucking A, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, that's what makes it almost worse, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you if you take their if you take their coaching performance out of it, then it's it's uh it's probably DeBoer then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fraud. The fraud. That's what's crazy. Like his name. Think of all the things that you can call him. Yeah. It's just like it's endless, man. It's like a there's like a a long list of you know uh, what's the, you know less than kind names you could call him with that de in front of it. Yeah. The, you know, a lot of people have come up with a lot of different sayings for him. I mean, it's a whole shirt line. Okay, one more over under for wins next season. Six. Yeah, I was gonna say like five and a half, but you know we'll see how we'll see how the roster shapes up. We need to see. There's gonna be movement. There's gonna be change. The portal opens up again. I think on April. I'm not mistaken. You know they got if if they if they want a shot at Fafita and McMillan, they're gonna have to figure out an offensive line. Why would Fafita want to come play against a patchwork O line? They're going to have yeah. to pull 
of guys from Arizona. That's the bottom line. All right, brother. You know, we even, yeah, we didn't even touch on Ryan Grubb, uh, you know, as a consideration for the job. No, thanks. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just don't think it's his time. And I think yeah. quickly, like, I, I think you couldn't have him connected to DeBoer the way he torched the place. Right. I just yeah. think it would have worked out. And they said, like, well, they didn't want to do another coordinator. And it's like, well, Dannon wasn't here when they hired Lake. And I know that uh, who's the other coordinator hired? Lambright. And we hired who's the other coordinator that we hired? Gilby. Gilby. And it's like, yeah, you could yeah, look the, at no, the in-house promotions. They haven't been good. Right. They have been good. But but Dannon also isn't connected to any of those. So I'm sure that was an element of it. And I think in this situation and an explosion of the decimation of the roster, I think they wanted a head coach. And, you know, you're, what, what kind of coaching tree was Ryan Grubb going to work from to bring in guys like Jed Fish has a huge yeah. coaching tree, right, where he, he can – he has a lot of resources in that respect. Grubb didn't. I, I think it was the right move not to hire him, but I, I did appreciate at least his message was – Seemed a lot more heartfelt and sincere because I mean, DeBoer hasn't said shit. <laughs> so I, I will give Grub credit on that. And I, 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 and these assistant coaches, like they wanted to stay. I mean, Jamarcus Shepard and um, right. who's the offensive line? Uh, well, I mean, I'm just blanking. a lot Buff? of fish there in Tuscaloosa, dudes loves fishing. He's going to have to be flying to get the kind of fishing he was accustomed to. He's going to have to be flying out of Tuscaloosa. Wait, you mean Huff or Shepard? Huff. Huff is but, a big... But yeah, both, but both of those guys, they really wanted to stay. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. DeBoer just, I mean, cutting out, what's his name? Chuck Morrell, who's like his best yeah. coaching friend who they he's yeah. known and coached with. You know, dating back, uh, not at every stop, but yeah, I mean, they coached together uh, 25 years ago or whenever. I mean, just cutting that guy out. What about Inge? Completely, it looks like. Did I read that Inge is going to coach linebackers? Uh, I don't know. I have, I'm not up to date. Well, let me, um, let me, uh, we got to wrap it. It's already yeah. so man. Let me uh fire up. Uh oh, this is good. Um potentially uh Will Rogers is leaning towards staying at U dub, but things could change if Fafito was to come to U dub. Yeah, I was actually gonna mention Rogers. Was it was it clear that he was gonna go to Alabama? Yeah, I thought there was somebody tweeted he was going to Alabama. I mean, not yeah. like a UW person. Came up. Yeah, no, that was definitely like it was expected that he was portaling to Bama. But if he if he stays, that'd be fantastic. If they, yeah, I mean, I like Will Rogers. I was excited about him in this offense. You know, prior to all this, I felt like, um. You know, maybe he doesn't want to go. He played in the SEC. Maybe he does want to go play for that Alabama 
craziness, right? And, you know, he might have – it could be a tough year. You want to be the quarterback of the of a three-loss Alabama team? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, fuck uh, that. Yeah, forget it. I mean so. that that's a that's a terrible situation. Like that's that's a no win situation. You think they like Milrow down there after his performance in uh you know the in the uh, final four? Yeah, I mean they'd probably lynch the kid if he didn't <laughs> transfer. It's, it's Alabama. What do you expect? Oh, is is that? Are Alabama fans are out of Alabama fans and Auburn fans? Which ones are more likely to fuck their sister or or cousin? All right, we gotta shut it down. (laughs) Okay, on a serious note, uh, Jonah Coleman is probably gonna commit, so that's good. Great news. That would be Um, fantastic. Yeah. Um. You know, I really hope we can keep Jeremy, but I just don't think it's probably. I don't not. think it's. I don't think it's going to happen. Probably going to go to Miami. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there you go. I, I, uh, yeah. We we got to get going, brother. Uh, any final words? Final words. You know, I that Oregon game at home. I went with the with the dog father. I don't know if I can drag him to many more games. He hates flying. He hates traveling. So hopefully, hopefully I get him over to see yes. a few more games before he's definitely done, you know, getting on a plane or driving in a car. So we'll see. We got, we got some work to do next year on a, a lot of fronts. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll probably pod and who knows when. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do another one with, with tech in the coming weeks yeah we'll see see how the transfers shake out yeah yeah any big news and uh we'll just have to start it earlier yeah yeah or you and me can bitch about DeBoer. yeah i'll be happy happy to i don't think i'll get i don't think i'll get tired of it anytime soon (laughs) i don't know if i'm more excited to see the downfall of the bama season because yeah i mean the fan base has already anointed this guy it's like they're gonna be the best thing ever but we'll see they already were the best thing ever yeah that's right exactly good luck sustaining it and if you do it won't be appreciated because it's just going to be compared to Saban. yeah no you're exactly right it won't be appreciated. It's the expectation. Yeah, that's going to be a really tough year for DeBoer. And the assistant coaches, too. They 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 know it's going to – those assistant coaches who are going with them, who really didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they, they know that it's going to be really tough. Yeah, well, SECs, if you're going to go with the 270-pound center and – the the greatest conference on earth. Good luck to you. And I get don't get me wrong. I like Brailsford a lot. It's not a slide on Brailsford. It's more of their expectations on what they see. It's like you know you get you get Jeremy Bernard. Are you, and you're an Alabama fan. Like who who's this guy? Like what? And you're gonna get some six foot receiver. You know, 
who isn't a five star. Yeah, I mean they're psychos. Yeah, I mean it's like I can't even believe they'd be excited about any of the Washington guys they'd bring over. I mean, you you and me are psychos, but like these guys are psychos on another level. It, it totally one hundred percent. It's I, not. It's their whole life. Different. Yeah, it's and recruiting is massive. Recruiting is you know it's it's the second Bible next to the bed. Yeah, no, you, yeah. you're right because DDY or D- Dennis used to talk about that before he passed about how in the South, like they would recover or they they would cover recruiting like on their radio shows, like significantly, not just, not just like little tidbits here and there. Yeah. I mean, the, the recruiting expectation is, is something that it's next level. So, I mean, to get excited, like you, you're excited to, to get, Guys from Washington in the soft ass Pac-12 comp. Like, do you think the SEC respects the Pac-12? No, they think it's trash. And you're gonna get some guys that are like three-star Washington recruits, and you're you're gonna be excited about that? No, come on, no way. Crazy town. Yeah. All right, brother. We gotta. Yeah. We gotta stop. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna try All to right. keep you. As long as I can all right, brother. Yeah, great work. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, good night, everybody. We'll continue to uh, stop recording. All right, (laughs) I'm stopping now. Stop it, go dogs.